0: Welcome into another edition of the Deep Slant Podcast. I'm your host, DP Sidhu, and I'm so glad to be back on the airwaves again. This podcast is brought to you by Bose QC352 noise canceling headphones. Bose is the official headphones of the Houston Texans and Freddy's frozen custard and steak burgers. Uh, the original double steak burger is a real game changer. So also a game changer is my latest guest. I've never had her on the podcast. She just told me she hates talking about herself. So this should go really well. <laughs> it's Jennifer Davenport. She's, she's the senior vice president of marketing and community development here with the Texans. And uh, Jennifer, I know you do a lot of different things in the building, but I, I'll let you describe sort of what you do because you've got a, a hand in a lot of different areas of, of this team. So can you give us sort of a general description of what it is that you do?
1: Sure, I'm happy to, and I will say thank you for inviting me. I love getting You're to You're doing great <laughs> so far, by so the So far, so good. <laughs> but I like getting to come downstairs and see you do your work. You're so good at it. Oh, so well, thank you. Thank I you for inviting it. me. Um, when I try to tell people about my job, I usually tend to lump it into four different buckets. Um, I would say all the traditional marketing, everything you think of when you hear marketing. It's our fan development. It's our advertising and outreach. It's our um, creative team, design team, the events that we create to interact with our fans. Everything that we do. To have a brand presence and sort of build our brand between in the relationship with us and our fans Um, also what falls under marketing at the houston texans is our community relations and outreach so we have a foundation we host um, four or five events a year and different initiatives that allow us to raise nearly two million dollars and then we take that money and put it back into the community through our community partners and our efforts to be champions for youth so there's a team that works on that year round And then uh, Game Day Entertainment is part of marketing here. So that's um, everything you see on Game Day, the development of our themes, um, what we want fans to feel and wear and do when they're coming to the game, all the entertainment, the halftime, the uh, national anthem, the cheerleaders, the mascot. That falls into marketing. And then the last thing I usually throw in there is our retail operations. We have two retail partners. Airmark runs our retail on-site and then Fanatics does our retail operations for us online. And you
0: guys have done a really nice job with the, the fan shops here around the stadium. They're so updated and new looking. Uh, I don't even, I think there's so many different things, aspects of what you do. I'm not really sure what to begin with. So I'm going to begin with game day entertainment because I think that's sort of the thing that's front and center out there during games. Booking the entertainment. You've got a team of people, obviously, that work, that work with you and help you do all this. But what are some of the challenges of making the game day experience entertaining aside from the football aspect of it?
1: Well, we have two of the best in the business. Gavin Garrett and Jackie Maldonado run our game day entertainment for us. And we always try to look at it as we're the show in between plays. And so... We're what um, is happening. Everybody's focus is obviously on the field, and our main mission is to create a home field advantage and give our team a competitive advantage. But then we want to fill the time in between the timeouts and the breaks and make those compelling, make fans feel like they're part of it, that they're not just watching a show, but they're participating. So hopefully a lot of the segments and sponsor features and things that we have on game Tay, they engage our fans. Um, We want our entertainers to be entertaining and be supportive of the team and reflective of our brand. I think Toro's done a really great job of being what we call the conductor of the crowd. So he's got props and he's got signs and he's got different things he's doing to try and get fans engaged. And then the themes are just that added extra reason to come on game day. It's those special memories that you're going to create, whether it's a cause-related game where we're – bringing awareness to cancer and, and preventative measures you can take to um, protect your family from cancer or um, supporting our military, or if it's just a fun fan engagement theme like Battle Red Day or Fan Appreciation Day. We always want the theme to kind of be another reason that you're looking forward to game day.
0: I got to say, my 11-year-old, when the schedule comes out and the themes are announced, he's the first one to mark it on this calendar, and he is a religious follower of the themes. Like, if it's Liberty White, he is head-to-toe white. He has... We have to... Provide him with the clothing, though, because he can't wear it you know, the regular jersey if it's Battle Red Day or whatever. So it gets a little bit expensive. But uh, you you mentioned, you know, Salute to Service and the Breast Cancer Awareness. I know the league has a lot of initiatives. So is it hard or is it easy to be creative within that? Because the league gives you guidelines too, but then you obviously want to have your own game day experience unique to the Texans.
1: Well, it's actually worked out really well for us because a lot of the themes that the league has gotten behind, they were themes that we were already doing. So we were doing a cancer awareness game. We were doing a homecoming. We were doing... Loot to service before the league was. And so most of the time we're able to make it. You know, one of the things, one of the most recent initiatives is support for um, kids being active, play 60, youth football. And again, these are already things that we're supporting in Houston. So maybe we're trendsetters. Maybe we just have our finger on the pulse, but we haven't really had to adopt anything from a league initiative that hasn't felt natural to us or already been part of what we're doing. So that's been good.
0: I know we talk a lot about community and what the players are doing in the community, but why is it so important for you know, players and franchises to be involved in the community? Why Why do you think, you know, there, there's there's such a – we obviously know why community support is important, but, you know, why is it important for the team to be doing it and be out in front and center and doing it as well?
1: Well, a lot of what we do comes from a a very genuine place. I mean, most of the players that we pick up, this is already important to them. They've been doing work in their community, either benefiting from it a lot in their childhood and now inspired to come and give back. But a lot of them have done these things throughout college and, and now into the pros. So we're really just giving them the opportunity to continue doing the things that are truly in their heart and supporting the causes that are important to them. But for us, I mean, Houston is our home. It's our fan base. It's our community. So supporting the community is supporting our team it's supporting everyone around us so the things that we do in the community you know champions for youth is is our primary focus and so for us we see that as the next generation of Texans fans is one way we look at it and so how are we improving their lives through character development education support and then healthy lifestyle are really where we focus and and in those times when the community's most in need, it's really just a great opportunity for us to kind of say thank you for being so supportive of us as a franchise. All right.
0: My passion was always marketing. I don't know if you know this or not. I used to work in marketing a long time ago, but it was for um, semiconductors. So not really exciting stuff yeah. like professional football. But I'm always fascinated by like branding and imaging and keeping it consistent because, you know, you see the Texans logo everywhere and you know, my kids know if a logo doesn't quite look right, it doesn't look like the Texans logo, but you guys spend a lot of time making sure that everything is consistent, that the brand is consistent. Is that probably one of the biggest challenges? Because, you know, all the fans, you know, you, you we've talked about this before, all the fans have their own interpretation of what this brand should be.
1: Well, and I think everybody feels a sense of ownership and pride within the Texans brands. But we have brand standards. We have rules when it comes to using our logo. And the way I try to always get my head around it is that, you know, if someone's just really expressing themselves as a fan and and wanting to use our logos in, in their bedroom decorations or on their cars, you know, those are the kind of things that we get excited to see. And we just do hope that people use the logo properly. We have a big tilt issue with the bullhead. I don't know if you're like me, but you drive around Houston and you <laughs> see the crooked bullheads and like it's like, not straight. Yes, like <laughs> just look at it. Like go to our website, see the angle that the bullhead's on and use it in that angle. But again, these are pet peeves of marketing directors. It's really beside the point. But um, you know, we do also have guidelines that sometimes are the less fun part of my job of enforcing is that there is value that is associated with our brand and we have partners and sponsors that want to be a part and be associated with our brand, and that's a part of our revenue stream, and so those people are are paying to be partners with us, and we have to protect their rights, and so sometimes the less fun part of my job is working with um, fans or different companies to help them understand that you can't just use our brand to generate money or, or be associated with your brand or be monetized. You know, if you're expressing yourself as a fan, go for it. If you're creating a sales channel or trying to encourage people to spend money with you in association with our brand... We have to police that sometimes. And so there's fun parts and then there's not so fun parts. Right. Because you may
0: not necessarily be representing whatever it is they're selling with your logo on it. So you have to sort of protect your brand from being associated with maybe something that you don't necessarily agree with or that you're not supporting. Or Or we have a a competing sponsor. Sure. Or
1: we just, yeah, or it's just not something that is, you know, but there's, like we talked about earlier, our fans feel so much ownership in our brand. They feel like it's, it's their pride and what they're part of so we try not to get in the way of that with our you know legal schmiegel and not <laughs> oh, all rolls. that legal
0: stuff uh you know at least a couple times a year on twitter i'll see fans post their own renditions of texans throwback unis now there's no throwback uni because the texans uniforms haven't been around long enough but people will mesh it with oilers colors and it just seems like a topic that comes up a lot what are your thoughts on another uniform or if that's ever something that we would consider i know the oilers now are considered part of the titans franchise but
1: obviously that's a tricky situation that you got to navigate through well i see it a couple of ways you know for me i'm a fan of creativity so the more creativity the better and i love people ex- using their talents and creating different elements of our brand and having fun with it on social media or wherever but then i also know from a branding perspective. I call us a baby franchise. I mean, we are still in the infancy compared to, you know, the Bears and Packers celebrating 100 years. And so what's really important to us is really having a solid base and a solid brand for several decades before we even start trying to get creative on a national level or a regional level that we want to be who we are, identified with this brand and build it as strong as we can. And so things like that really aren't on the table right now.
0: What about like for Battle Red? It used to be we talk about this every year for Battle Red um, on the radio. The ketchup bottle uniforms, the 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 red Battle Red jersey with the Battle Red pants, and then they became white pants, and then they were a deep steel blue. Any? What about helmets? I always wondered why the helmets don't change colors with the uniforms. Is that some sort of are you regulated by what you can do? Or is that more like a football issue that they don't want to change the helmets that often?
1: I don't know that I know the official answer. My understanding though, is that it's a safety concern that we have one helmet that the money is invested in the safety of that helmet. And so having that fitted perfectly to the player, having it have the safety um, protocol that's needed and not changing helmets or having different helmets throughout the year it comes back to that but there could be a different under like a different rule that I haven't been told but that's sort of you know how sometimes you think you know something and it's like oh, that, that's <laughs> why it is but I, don't, I haven't thought about it in a while but that was my understanding always that it came sure. back to having one helmet that was um, provided for safety and it's not a decoration in their minds you know it's it's there for utility and, and for player safety and with the red pants it's kind of funny that comes up we don't we actually don't even own red pants right now so you won't even see the team so probably not this not season. <laughs> we, we haven't invested working with mike parson in the um equipment Room, we don't own red pants. So right now, the team um, we like the look of the white, uh, the white pants with the red jersey. We think it's a clean, sharp look, and um, the Color Rush uniforms kind of again ahead of the trend. That's a big pop, yeah, ahead of the trend. We were doing Color Rush before Color Rush was a thing. When we were wearing the all blue, the all white, and the all red, Um, and so when we had the opportunity to develop that um, uniform with the league, we went with the all blue, and we really love how that one turned out.
0: What do you think about college uniforms? I feel like with certain college teams, you see a completely different uniform every week it's not even their colors, you know, is that, what are your thoughts on that? I know that's sort of outside of what you do, but I'm kind of curious because I'm not really sure if I love it or if I think they should just Make it a special thing the way it is in the NFL, like for one particular game, a special uniform.
1: Yeah, and I think that's gonna come down to your brand. You know, some teams are very traditional and they don't mess with their look and feel and that is what's right for their brand. And then other ones I think see it almost as a recruiting tool or see it as playing to their audience of uh, people want flashy, fresh, new, and that's part of their brand, you know. So I, I, I my husband loves it. I mean he's a big fan of Oregon's caught his attention. Yes, we don't live do. anywhere near Oregon, but he sure loves the ducks <laughs> just because of because of
0: uniforms
1: just the different creative things they're doing
0: all right I gotta mention uh, Jennifer you also worked with the Rockets before you came here what did you do? Was your role very similar to what you do here? How was it different?
1: It was I had a very cool job at Toyota Center. I actually worked um, for the Rockets and the venue. So I not only got to work and promote the Rockets, primarily events and marketing and advertising, but I also worked for all the events that came through Toyota Center. So whether it was concerts, family shows, wrestling, boxing, whatever it was, I had a lot of variety in my job there and it was wonderful. I loved it.
0: How different is it marketing for an NBA team versus an NFL team?
1: We just have different, it's been, it's been wonderful for me because I've learned sort of two sides of marketing. Like at the Rockets, it was more about selling tickets. They have many more games and a smaller season ticket base than we do. And so I had a lot of initiatives that were what we called butts and seats. I had to come up with initiatives and ideas that would help fill the building and sell tickets. Whereas at the Texans, we're very fortunate to have a very strong season ticket base be sold out year after year. So more of my time is spent on branding and fan engagement.
0: I remember living in Dallas and they had, um, the Mavericks were really, really bad. It was like the late Early, it was like mid-90s. It was four tickets, uh, four parking passes, I want to say. Or no, four tickets, four Dr. Peppers, four hot dogs, like four different things for four seats. And it was like 40, under $40. It was super cheap. That's obviously not something that you have to worry about in football. But, you know, what is marketing like for a team that sells out every single game since its, since it's inaugural game?
1: It has its different challenges. I mean, a lot of what we do is marketing to our season ticket base to make sure that they feel appreciated, to make sure they understand the value of the tickets they have, and to make them feel like they're part of something they don't want to let go of. So that that's a big part of what we do. And then also coming up with other fan engagement opportunities. So creating free events, creating other events that even though you can't get tickets, there's still times that you can meet our players or interact with our brand and our team. Um, And then, again, just building that community presence and and looking for where we do want to grow. We want to grow regionally. We want to grow with opportunities in London. You know, we're not really trying to build the fan base in London necessarily, but it's definitely an opportunity to showcase what we're all about on a national and international level.
0: How excited are you about these games? I mean, obviously, we we played in Mexico City a few years ago. That was so close. But now going overseas to London, this will be the first time that the team has gone to London What are the challenges, or are you excited about that opportunity?
1: We're really focused on the Traveling Texans, quite honestly. We know that our fan base will be excited. They're great, aren't they? We love the Traveling Texans and the fans that are willing to take their vacation time and and their – Extra income and go spend it to be with the team and support our team on the road. So, we are going to be focused on how do we create opportunities and experiences. We're talking about having a home pub there that'll be a central pub that fans oh, nice. can come and hang out with us. We're talking about taking cheerleaders and Toro and former players over um, to give fans a taste of home while they're there. But, really, just creating that experience um, for the traveling Texans is one of the things. And then, hospitality for um, some of our top clients and top partners and making sure they have a wonderful time being there. But, you know, Coach and, and Brian are quick to remind us that um, this is a division game and the most important thing that we're trying to do is win. So we yeah, haven't forgotten that.
0: Yeah, well, I, I'm sure we get reminded about that a lot with with them being in the same building. I have to mention, I know you hate talking about yourself. You were named to Houston Business Journal's 40 under 40 list in 2017. How cool was that? Is I mean, I'm just so much in admiration of people that make that list.
1: I thought it was pretty cool. I think the coolest thing was that my parents thought it was really cool. Um, They came out and supported me and came to the event and took pictures and posted it on their social media. So it's always nice when you, um, you know, you make your parents proud.
0: You've done a lot of things. I mean, aside from everything with the Texans, you do a lot of things outside of the Texans. Uh, The Super Bowl 51 host committee. Was that your first experience with uh, being on a host committee for the Super Bowl? Because you were not here, right? I didn't live in Houston. I lived
1: in Austin during the first Super Bowl, I think. And then... um so being here and being able to be part of it I mean working on it three years out I mean we worked on three years yeah we were working on it three years in advance got to meet tons of my peer group around Houston other um, corporate entities that were involved in bringing the game to town I thought it was an awesome experience and to just get a lot of behind the scenes and have some influence on how we were again a lot of that was how are we showcasing Houston on an international level and what are we going to do to um, get the city excited and and support um, the game being in town so
0: it was fun I think a lot of people don't realize that You, you guys were actually following following and you did a lot of um best practice sharing with the 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 Santa Clara team because obviously the Super Bowl was in oh, right. in San Francisco mm-hmm. the year before so you 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 were at the Super Bowl the year before right and then you were talking to that host committee it's sort of like a passing of the baton every year but I didn't realize that it was three years out that you were doing it
1: it was we started that and you know there was a bid committee and then there was the host committee creation and then really how are we going to get uh, they had tons of committees that we were supporting I was actually on the host committee um lead executive team but then I was also on the marketing committee getting to know all the wonderful staff that they had in place and um, yeah we went out to San Francisco the year prior and got to benchmark a little bit about what they did well and yeah it was a it was a cool experience how challenging
0: was it to balance that along with your duties with the Texans
1: it's you, you just always find a way I don't actually even know how we do it sometimes so many people in the Texans organization are doing other things within the community and I think it's just because we all support each other and, and and I have a great team that I work with so they're willing to support me to give me the opportunity to do other things outside of my everyday job so yeah, I don't know how we do it but we find the it time. gets done
0: right well one of your latest um projects which I'm I'm I, I want to be more involved in but it's it's I always find it challenging during the football season, but it's. Um, I love this organization, WISE, Women in Sports and Events, and you're one of the founding members of this chapter. So it's basically a networking group for women who are in sports and entertainment, or is it also for women who want to get into sports and entertainment?
1: All the above, sure. Oh, okay, great. Anything that connects you. We're, we're a sisterhood of anyone who works in sports or events or wants to be a student, um, people you know, retirees, anyone who kind of wants to keep that network going. It started probably, gosh, I think it might have been four Julys ago, three Julys ago, that there was a group of ladies from the Astros that originally were interested in getting a charter for Houston. And so they needed a representation from all the major sports teams in town to show support, to take it to national, to say we have the support here to build this organization locally. And so I was the representative that was um, approached for the Texans. And so I've been involved since the beginning. And it's been... Man, it's crazy to be part of building a nonprofit from the ground up. It's a lot of work, and it's been a lot of hard work by this group, our founding board members, but it's very rewarding. And one of the things that I personally oversee is our Wise Within committee, which is our mentorship program. So I think I have the best role within WISE because my job is to find mentors and mentees, pair them up, and then we operate a program for them every year where they have interactions and um, different professional development opportunities. And so I just, I think I have the best part of WISE. Well,
0: that's a very elaborate process because I thought, when I looked at it, I thought, oh, you just fill out a few questions and they match you up with, you know, someone to either be a mentor to or a mentee to and... You know, you guys really get detailed because you want to make sure that the right people are getting the right, whatever whatever they're looking for out of WISE, that they're getting it.
1: Right. And for the mentor-mentee relationship, I mean, we just want people who take it serious. And so one weeding out process is having a lengthy application um, form and then interview process just to make sure that we're definitely getting people that are going to be committed. If you, you got to be committed to the application process, or you're not, probably not going to be committed, committed to, to a six-month relationship sure. with your mentee or mentor. So it is a process, but um, we think it's been one that worked because we've made so many great pairs over the years.
0: So uh, aside from just the mentor-mentee relationship, you guys have different events throughout the year for WISE. What are some of those things that you do to bring women to, women in sports and entertainment together?
1: There's four signature events. Those events include um, our Women of Inspiration, which annually recognizes women who've um, been trailblazers or made an impact in Houston. Uh, we have a Power Play event, which typically picks like a segment of the industry. So we've had medical professionals. We've had oil and gas. This year we have media um, where they come together and talk about their industry. Um, we also have one called uh, Financial Fitness, which typically focuses on how women are building for their future. Um, and then our Speed Mentoring roundtables, um, which is a is a. It's like speed dating, event. but it it's is. mentoring, right? It's cool, and that actually kicks off our Wise Within program. That just happened um, in February or January, and kicks off the program, which will be starting in the next few weeks. It's amazing
0: to me. I went. I went to the very first meeting of the ver- of the when when Wise. Houston chapter open and there were so many women I was just amazed how many women in sports we actually have because you may think it's not a lot but it's really growing and I think it's great to have a group like this. Well and
1: I'm contributing to that. I have a marketing department and we have 20 people in our department and 16 of them are women and I promise you, you I go into every process looking for the best candidate and, and women are just really um, stepping up to the plate and being some of the best candidates we have and we have a wonderful strong department.
0: Okay so if people want to join, women want to join WISE Where what? there's a link out there and sure. you can fill out the application.
1: Yeah WiseHou.org, org and we have monthly happy hours on the first Wednesday of each month at the 4th seasons downtown that you could come by
0: all right jennifer so 2019 season is still a few months away i know you guys are heavily planning on what's what's coming up you got the london game you've got training camp uh you know obviously you've got the the games and, and all the slate of uh, of themes that you've got going on but is there something that you're most looking forward to in the 2019 season
1: Gosh, there's just so many things. We're in the thick of it right now. You know, people come to me all the time and are like, what are you doing in the off season? People think that you
0: just get like, you have no job in the off season. Well, we're in the planning
1: process. I actually tell people that in season is slower for me just from the marketing department standpoint because we get in a rhythm and you sort of have that pace of your season. But the off season just feels like a mad dash to getting ready for the year and getting all your ideas gathered and getting things out there. Some of the things that just come up off the top of my head that we're um, thinking about for the 2019 season is we've got a brand new cheer coach so the cheer program um, is getting a little bit of a a makeover from a branding standpoint we're going to be launching that with our tryouts coming up um, in gosh, three, four weeks um, on April 13th. So the cheer program and figuring out how we use our cheerleaders more in game day. We're going to introduce 50-50 raffles this year. So now mm-hmm. I've said it. I've said it on this podcast, so we're doing so it. Now you, have to, you have to put it into existence. <laughs> so we'll have 50-50 <laughs> raffles or 50-50 jackpot at our games this year, which have been highly successful around the league and also yeah. – just here in town with um, fans having the opportunity to win money for themselves, but also give to charity, so that's something that we're working on. And, you know, the schedule comes out in a month, and so that's when really plans will start really getting laid into place and um, the different theme games and everything we're going to start planning on game day.
0: All right, love it. Jennifer Davenport, Senior Vice President of Marketing and Community Development for the Houston Texans. Jennifer, stop by any time. I feel like we've just barely Gosh. scratched the surface <laughs> of what you knew. You did great. Okay. We didn't like talking about herself. You did fantastic. All right, that's going to do it for our podcast. Be sure to like, subscribe on iTunes, tune in or Stitcher, leave a review. And that's going to do it for us. As always, thank you so much for listening and go Texans.